0: Today is a very important day. In fact, today, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and next Sunday. Very important days in the life of our church and in the life of our Christian homes and families because it's the time of the year that we deal with one of the most important subjects ever, ever, and that's um, uh, missions and getting the gospel around the world. And it's so very important And uh, it's sad that not more Christians realize the importance of it. Um, You know, as uh, parents, we uh, have our children, we enjoy them, they grow up, sometimes they go astray, sometimes they don't keep in touch with us like they should, but we all say the same thing, how quickly the time went by. They're gone. Well, those growing up years, we thought they'd last forever, but they didn't. The children became teenagers before we knew it. And instead of looking down, we're looking straight in the eye and some sometimes we're looking up at our children. And uh, some parents uh, down the road a little bit have regrets that they didn't take more time with their kids and do more things as a family. And that's sad when we have regrets like that. Now, there is no perfect family. Every family's got a regret somewhere. But some parents end up with Too many regrets because they really were too busy trying to make money or too busy uh, fixing up the house, whatever, rather than spending the time with the, the children. Because houses burn down, they get robbed and so on. Jobs, you get fired. Money, inflation, you know, wipes out your money. Or it can get stolen. But your family and your children, usually they go with you right Right through your days, you've got them. They outlive you, right? Your family so very important. And sometimes we learn the lesson too late. We should have spent more time with the children. Missions is one of those things that too many Christians don't realize the importance of and come near the end of their life on earth. Or, let me say this, when they get to heaven, they're going to have regrets. That they didn't get more involved with the greatest business in the world. Because that's what real missions is. I know there's a lot of crazy-eyed stuff going on. You know that. And a lot of things that tries to pass itself off as missions. It has nothing to do with missions at all. This book, the Bible, tells us what missions is all about. All we've got to do is read the New Testament book of Acts. And we'll very quickly see what missions is all about and i don't want for grace baptist church or any of our members to have regrets when we get to heaven saying oh we wish we had understood this more we wish that uh, our pastor had taught us more about missions and the importance of it because i'm i'm passionate about this and i'm doing everything i can to try and impart to you what i know and each year the lord teaches me new things and i try and pass those on but the whole bottom line is this there's a world dying and going to hell and missions can help. Missions can help solve the problem. It's not going to change people's physical death, but it will change their eternal destiny. And it's so important that we as a local church, before God, that we get this right. So we're going to be talking today kind of the, uh, the, the subject of um, the purpose of your life. What is the purpose? of your life let's have a word of prayer first before we continue heavenly father we ask now that your holy spirit would really be the teacher really be the preacher today and that you would use the truth of the scriptures to get a hold of all our hearts young and old male and female lord please speak to every one of us here today those that may be watching over the uh, the internet and we pray for them and we thank you so much for them and Lord, we ask that you would speak to their hearts too in this matter of missions. Help us to understand it, Lord. Help us to see it as you see it. And we'll praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a number of years ago... Let me see if I have that little doodad here. <clears throat> okay. Okay, I'm going to need your help. The, the thing's not here. I got a little doodad that, that controls what you see uh, the picture up here but it's not here you see even your doodad can get stolen see so only what's done for Christ will last yeah, keep that in mind but well, many years ago um, Charles Schultz the cartoonist who created uh, Charlie Brown and the Peanuts characters and that's gone all around the world it doesn't matter what country you, you come from you should be familiar with Charlie Brown okay And a number of years ago, he put out um, a little series. um, And I think it was around the Thanksgiving time, way back in, I think it may have been the uh, 60s or 70s. I'm not sure. But I managed to find a couple of little clips from the cartoon. And Charlie Brown got it into his head that what he was going to do is he was going to quit school and he was going to stay home. And for the rest of his life, He was going to make his dog happy. So, put that up there for us. There we are. So there's Charlie there. He's talking, I guess, to the principal. Yes, sir, Mr. Principal, I'm going to give up school. Everybody says I'm stupid anyway. I've decided to devote the rest of my life to making my dog happy. He says, no, it isn't such a bad idea, is it, sir? Well, maybe you should talk it over with your cat and see what he thinks. And so... Charlie Brown actually stays home and he starts to make Snoopy, his dog, happy. And so we have the next there. Okay, so they're sitting together there and and he says, here you go, boy, have another cookie. So he's feeding his dog cookies. We had a good time today, didn't we? Have I made you happy? And here's Snoopy. I'd say I'm about one cookie away from being happy. (laughs) The dogs always seem to want more. Well, it continues. So the next, the next day, there's Charlie, and they're outside. We had a good time today. Again, today, didn't we? We sure did. Is there anything you'd like to do tomorrow? Well, maybe we could try something different tomorrow. Let's have the jelly donuts before the pizza. So Snoopy's really loving this. And so uh, there are actually t- too many of these cartoons to show them all to you. Uh, but uh, at some point the light bulb goes on and Charlie Brown realizes, you know, this is not the smartest thing I've ever done. Stay, you know, quit school, stay home to make my dog happy. It's really not such a brilliant idea after all. And so he decides uh, he's gonna go back to school. And so uh, he comes and talks to uh, to Snoopy about it. And so the the next one here. And he says, I really thought I could devote my whole life to making you happy. I'm sorry it didn't work out. And Snoopy says, hey, no problem. I was already happy. (laughs) Sometimes we get ideas what we're going to do with our life. What are you going to do with your life? What's your life all about? What's the purpose of your life? If you were to ask a hundred people, what is the purpose of life? You might get a hundred different answers, right? For some people, it's all about making money. That's what it is. For a lot of people, it's sad, but that their whole life is about making money. For some people, it's all about pleasure, all about sports. Is there anything wrong with making some money? Anything wrong with a little bit of sports or a little bit of pleasure? No, these are parts of, of real living. But is that what life is all about? What is the purpose of life? Well, as Christians, as born-again sons and daughters of God, we need to get our answer from God because God is our creator. He didn't make us like some little toy and winds us up and then puts us down and we go all through life doing whatever, bumping into who knows what. That's not the purpose of life. The purpose of life is, is not found in making all the money you can because if it were, why are there so many suicides amongst wealthy people? So many wealthy people commit suicide if making money was what it's all about. For some, it's popularity. They will love the, uh, the accolades, the applause of men. And they give themselves over to anything to get the attention. Well, why is it that so many of them are on antidepressants? The comedians, It's this is sad, but the co- professional comedians that make us laugh These people normally have psychiatrists they go to because they themselves are struggling with demons inside them. They have bouts of depression. It's really sad. One of the world's funniest and best-known and loved comedians was Robin Williams. And Robin Williams committed suicide. Before he died, he revealed to the world all of the tremendous bouts of depression he went through. Well, the meaning and purpose of life has to be what God has made us for. God, what do you want me to do? What is your purpose for me on, on this world, in this, in this life? If, you, if you're uh, lucky enough to live to be 70 or 80 or 90, and then what? Right? And then what? So what is the purpose of life? And I want to suggest to you that the the purpose of life is wrapped around our relationship with God. If He is our Heavenly Father, then we're His earthly children. And we got that way through Jesus Christ. You weren't born physically as a child of God. The Bible says you were born physically and end up a child of the devil. Because we go astray from the womb We lie and we cheat and we say things we shouldn't and break promises and do all kinds of miserable, creepy stuff, don't we? Evidence. Evidence that the devil's our father. We've been born in sin. That's why we need to be born again into God's family. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. It's that important. If you're here today and you've never been spiritually born again, that is your biggest primary need You need that more than you need food. You need to be born again. After you're born again, your eternity is settled. You have a whole new relationship with God. It's like your eyes are open. It's like you've come out of the womb. It's life, it just is brand new. For me, that happened in 1975, 44 and a half years ago, when I finally realized I needed to be born again. I was 19 years of age, I had been raised in a church done all the churchy things you know but I didn't know God I was I wasn't his child any more than the the pew you're sitting in is a child of God I was just like a, one of the things of earth but I learned that God loved me as creepy as I was God loved me and sent his son to die for me on the cross of Calvary and on the cross He po- he bore every sin I'd ever committed he paid for every Every last sin i would ever done. How he did it, maybe I'll never know. But he did it. He paid what I owe in hell. He paid it. And then he died and rose again the third day. And he knocked on my heart's door on April fifth, 1975. April sixth, 1975. And that's when I opened my heart and said, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come in my heart. Forgive my sin. Be my Savior. Did he come in? He sure did. He came in. Come into my heart. That was on a Sunday, too, April 6, 1975, around noontime or shortly after noon. It was in the ballroom of a holiday inn, the airport holiday inn in Montreal. And I went forward on the invitation, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that's how I got to be part of God's family. And then shortly after that, God spoke to my heart and told me He wanted me to serve Him full time. Well, I thought He had made a mistake. I thought He had the wrong guy. But he kept telling me, so finally I end up in Bible college. And uh, what's left of me is standing before you today. But what is the purpose of our lives? Is the purpose of my life, my life, to stand behind a pulpit and preach? Well, that may be part of the purpose, but it's not the bigger picture. Well, what is the bigger picture? The bigger picture is to follow God, the heartbeat of God. What is God interested in? God is not willing that any should perish. That means that die and go to hell, but that all should come to repentance. That's what missions is all about. That's why this time of the year is so vital for us. If we want to secure the blessings of God, not just on our church for the next 12 months, but in our families, on our homes, and upon the individuals who take part, we need a faith promise conference. We need to re-educate ourselves once again in the necessity of getting the gospel around this world through the channel of missionaries, men and women whom God has called, and they can take the gospel to places we can't get to. God already has missionaries for Surrey. It's called Grace Baptist Church. And this city, is they're getting their doors knocked on by men and women of this church. And they're being... Ask if they have any interest in spiritual things. And if they do, they're being given Bible studies that'll help them to come to know the Lord as their own personal Savior. And so we got Surrey covered. But what are we doing for the rest of Canada? And what are we doing for the rest of the world? That's where we need help. That's where we need missionaries. And so the purpose of our life is not to quit our jobs and stay home and make our dog happy. The purpose of our lives is not to go out and get two and three jobs and to try and become a millionaire. The purpose of our life is not to take every educational course online and at college and university that we possibly can. The purpose of our life is wrapped around our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father wants help in His business. His business is getting the gospel around the world so that people have an opportunity to hear. You say, well, what if they don't want to hear it? We have no control, do we? There are 600,000 people in the city of Surrey, men, women, and young people, 600,000. Our job is to give them an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that they too can have their sins forgiven, how that they too can be born again into God's family and be in heaven one day. That's good news, isn't it? Boy, that's good news. Whenever I give out a a little gospel tract, one of our little flyers, it's not even a brochure, it's just a tiny little thing that opens like this. On the front it says, everyone needs a home. And you know, everyone needs a home in heaven, really. And so on the inside, it talks a little bit about our church. But then when I, I, I turn it over and I show the people on the backside, I say, here's a couple of Bible verses that talk about heaven. And how you can know that you're going to heaven. That's good to know, isn't it? And people always say, yeah. And that's what I give. I give away. And all that's part of missions. It's all part of soul winning. We've got missionaries in parts of the world that are doing pretty much exactly the same thing. And some people hear and they get saved. And some people hear and they want nothing to do with it. Well, that's the way she goes. But at least they've heard. We can't convert anyone. But we can give people opportunity to hear the gospel. Usually I try and include the gospel every Sunday morning in our church because there's a very high probability that we'll have someone in our Sunday morning church service who does not know the Lord as personal Savior. And I always try and include that in there. I think it's very important. What does God say in the Bible about the meaning of life for his children. Let me read a couple of verses for you. John 15:16, ye have not chosen me, but i have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth and bring and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain and whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name he may give it you. Ephesians 2:10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Hebrews 10:24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. God's will for our lives is that we be profitable for Him. And how is it that we can be most profitable for God? And that's where missions comes in. Folks, this is not, is not just a program. This is the program. This is not just one little add-on, little option that we put, hey, we're having a potluck on Saturday night. Anyone who wants to come, come along. You know, it's a little option. That's not what missions is. Missions is the program. Every person here today who's been born again into God's family, whether that happened in this church or anywhere in the known world, you got into God's family because someone shared with you the gospel, be it on radio, or television, or a friend, or you found a gospel tract, or you just opened the Bible that someone happened to leave or give you and start reading. Someone was involved somewhere with your salvation. You may not even know the number of people that were praying for you to be saved. God always uses people to get other people saved, born again into His family. Praise the Lord for missions. Whether whether it's here or halfway around the world, it's all the same bottom line. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now in Matthew chapter 28, our Lord Jesus tells us that all power is given unto Him in verse 18. So He has all the power in heaven and earth, all the strength, all the power, all the resources that we need. Everything we need, He has ready to give us. And so, he tells us, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations. The idea of teach means to share with them the gospel. Train them. Teach them who Jesus is. Teach them what sin is. And the fact that we all commit sin. Every one of us. Teach them the fact that the wages of sin is death. It doesn't mean just physical death. It means spiritual death. We know what physical death is. Physical death is where the soul is separated from the body. And many of us grieve, We weep. We bury the body or have it cremated or something. But the person is not in the body anymore. They're gone from the body. Physical death separates the soul from the body. Spiritual death separates the soul from Almighty God, the Creator. That happens after physical death. That unsaved soul, that man or woman who said, no, I'm not interested in the gospel, I'm not interested in repenting, I've got a whole life ahead of me, and the next day, bang! They fell dead with a brain aneurysm, a heart attack, or got hit by a bus. Dead, off into eternity. Every year, 55 million people, give or take, die. Every single year. 55 million people are off into eternity. It works out to something like, I believe it's two people every second of the day. Every second. One, two, three, four, five. There's ten people that died right there. All over the world. They're dying for every cause, known under the sun. But they're dying. And if they're not born again, they're lost. If they're not part of God's family here in this life, they die and they're still part of the devil's family after death. The Bible tells us where they go. There's a heaven above and a hell below. And either we're born again and we're on our way to heaven or we're lost and we're on our way to hell. We're told in Luke chapter 16 about a very wealthy man who died and left it all behind and then he lift up his eyes in a place called hell. Say, who said that story? Jesus. And when Jesus was on earth, he spoke more about hell than he ever did about heaven. Why? Because it's important that we be educated. That's why he said to go and to teach all nations. All of the unsaved people of the world need to be taught. That's what missions is all about. That's what soul winning is all about. To help others to know. Now, what they do with it, we, we have no control, do we? Can't force anyone to be saved. If they don't want to be born again, that's up to them. But this is God's plan. And so we're to, to teach them how to be saved. And after they're saved, it says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Baptism is not for babies. Baptism is for believers. And verse 20, then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then Jesus says, lo, I am with you all way. And I've told you this before in our King James Bible. You've got all way and you've got all ways with an S. This one has no S on it. And what it means is all along the way, all along life's pathway, Jesus said, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's good to know. If he's sending us into all the world, it's good to know that wherever we go, he's there with us. Always means at all times during the day. All way is more like spatial, geographic, all along the way. Always is more like uh, the time, the time element of it. And so Jesus saved us in order to send us into all the world. But not all of us can go into all the world. I sure can't. So what do I do? I need a missionary who can go to Bangladesh for me. I need a missionary who can go to Uganda for me. I need a missionary who can go to mainland China for me. I can't get into all the world. We need missionaries to help us. And that's why it's so important that we support missionaries. Praise the Lord God has allowed us to support 76 missionaries. Hopefully, we're going to take on two more. Today, we'll find out. God sends us missionaries. I believe that by faith, we can support them. We've certainly proven it so far, haven't we? By faith, every year, our mission support has gone up. And we wonder, will it go up this year? Have we reached our maximum? And we find, lo and behold, it goes up again. How do you account for that? That's when God gets involved. That's why Jesus said, all power is given unto me. And this is Jesus' church. And so when we simply yield ourselves and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? He'll whisper to our heart what he wants us to do. And we might say, well, Lord, I'm not sure I can do that. And Jesus answers, no, you can't, but I can. And Jesus will supply and He'll make sure that you get a little raise here, or a little bonus there, or you'll get a little windfall over here. He will bring the money in through you. That's why it's called faith promise giving. You don't look in your pockets and purses and look at your bank account and say, hmm, now what What could we maybe do without? How could we do this? That's not what it's about. That's not how it works. We get on our knees and we pray, Lord, what do you want me to do? But whatever you want me to do, you'll have to help me, Lord. And the Lord says, I know, I know. And then he'll tell us. That's why you need to fast and pray at least one meal this week. And ask the Lord. Ask him every day, but fast one meal. And say, Lord, I'm really serious. I really need to know. And you keep praying every day, one week from today, you should have God's answer, what he wants you to do. And then we fill out those little cards. We zip them, put the little portion in. We collect up all the little portions. And the deacons add it all up for us. And then they tell me and I tell you you know where we're at. Last, last year, a year ago from this time, we came up with that figure. You can see it on the back wall. It was over $9,800. And um, that's, that's the figure we got from the little cards. And we've been pretty close to it. We've been pretty close. That's a miracle. Every year it's gone up, up, up. Praise the Lord for that. We can do more, more, more for the Lord. Now, um, is it even possible for this church to reach the world with the gospel? Let me tell you a story. True story. Back in the 1690s, so that's a few years ago, 1690, the Chinese mixed up a concoction of pickled fish and certain spices and they loved this and they called it qiqiaq. And about 20 years later, something like that, in the early 1700s, this table sauce had made its way into Malaysia and Singapore through the the traders that would come and go. And then it was discovered by the British. About 20 years later, it had become a standard on British tables in Britain. Now, the Malaysian word for the sauce was kichap which eventually evolved into an English word. Can you guess what it is? Ketchup. Now you know where ketchup came from. But listen to this. In 1876, a young man uh, named Henry Hines. Have you ever heard that name before? Henry. (laughs) Hines. Have you ever heard that name before? Yeah. He had this vision He was going to produce his own version of ketchup. And he wanted the whole world to use it. And his driving force is what shaped the Heinz company to achieve his dream of selling ketchup to people in over 200 countries all over the world. Today, the Heinz company sells 650 million bottles of ketchup every year. They employ 32,000 people annually, and they have sales of 15 to $20 billion. Not bad for a young man's vision, wouldn't you say? So if a young man sitting somewhere in America could say, I'm going to invent a product, and the whole world is going to use it. For that to happen, don't you think the gospel could also happen? Don't you think we could also get the gospel into all of the world? Can I get an amen on that? Sure, why not? Don't you think we have a better product than ketchup? Yes, I hope so. By the way, don't do without your ketchup. Every every household needs a bottle of ketchup. Anyhow, Henry Hines... He had a vision, and he dared to dream big. Folks, we have the, the vision that Jesus gave us. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And we're just crazy enough to have a, a big dream, a big vision. Think big. And we believe we can do it. We're going to need more than 78 missionaries, though, to do it. But I'll tell you something, we are 78 missionaries now closer to getting the gospel into the whole world than we were, say, 20 years ago. Aren't we? We're much closer now. What is God's vision for this world? The answer is missions, and it's right there in front of you in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. What is God's will for every one of His children? It's to be involved somehow with missions. That's God's heartbeat. If you yourself cannot go around the world then you ought to help someone else to go. If you can't go, then you should do what you can to help someone else to be able to go. Does that make sense? I think it ought to. These people who go, we call them missionaries. I want to tell you a story about a missionary. He was born in Canada. In 1859, February 10th, on a farm near London, Ontario. His name was Jonathan Goforth. His, his mother loved the Lord and influenced him to pray and love and read and memorize the Bible. At 18 years of age, Jonathan was finishing up his high school work and he came under the influence of a preacher named Reverend Lachlan Cameron. He was a true minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went this one Sunday to Reverend Cameron's church, and he heard a sermon from God's Word that cut him very deeply, but it was exactly what he needed. The Holy Spirit used the Bible and that sermon to bring him under conviction that one day he would yield his life to the Lord. Henceforth, said he, my life belongs to Jesus who gave his life for me. So under this impulse, he became an active and growing Christian. And he sent for a supply of gospel tracts. If you're not familiar with the word tract, it just means a little pamphlet. A gospel tract is a pamphlet that has the gospel in it. And it tells you how you can know that you're going to heaven. And so Jonathan sent away for a quantity of these. And uh, he startled all the people at church by standing out outside on the front door, giving a gospel tract to everyone who entered the church that day. Well, Jonathan grew spiritually and he was ready for God to deal with him once again. On a special day, he went to hear a sermon by a heroic missionary pioneer named George L. McKay. He was a missionary to China. And this man was full of the Holy Spirit of God. And like Peter and Paul and Stephen of old, Dr. McKay pressed home the need for missionaries, for young men to give their lives, and to go to China. He told how he had been going far and wide all across Canada, seeking missionary reinforcements to help in China. But so far to date, he had not even found one young man willing to respond. Simply but powerfully, Dr. McKay said these words, I'm going back alone. It'll not be long before my bones will be lying on a hillside somewhere in China. To me, the heartbreak is that no young man has heard the call to come and carry on the work that I have begun. As Jonathan Goforth sat there that day listening to this sermon, he was overwhelmed with a sense of personal shame. He describes his reaction as follows. There was, there was I, brought with the, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, daring to dispose of my life as I pleased Then and there, I gave in to Jesus Christ, and from that hour, I told him I would be a foreign missionary. On his first day in Bible college in Toronto, Jonathan walked through the slum section of town, praying that God would open a way whereby he might take the gospel to the needy homes and hearts in that area. He did not hesitate to enter saloons and brothels where he was able to win a number of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. People that were broken. um, We would call them disrespectful or disreputable people. One night as he was coming out of a street that was particularly evil, a policeman met him and said to him, how have you the courage to go in those places? We policemen never go in there except in twos or threes. And Jonathan responded to the policeman and said, I never walk alone either. There is always someone with me, referring to the Lord Jesus. October 25th, 1887, Jonathan married the love of his life, Rosalind. After a memorable farewell in the historic Knox Church of Toronto, the Goforths sailed for China, February 4th, 1888. They first settled in Chifu for nine months of language study. With elation of spirit, the Goforths moved further and further into the interior of China on the way to the remote province of Honan to set up a home and a mission station. Before reaching Honan, Goforth had received a letter from none other than Hudson Taylor himself. Hudson Taylor told him of tremendous obstacles ahead and reminding him that he needed supernatural assistance. He wrote these words. He said, Brother, if you would enter that province, you must go forward on your knees. Meaning that every day he had to pray and pray and pray for God's help and power in order to get into that province. And Jonathan Goforth did just that. Not a day passed, but that circumstances and events caused him to recall his life text the Bible verse that he relied on. It's in Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's a good Bible verse for every one of us here. The missionary had a passion for preaching, a longing to develop the converts into New Testament churches. And 12 years later, by 1900, there were over 50 churches that he was able to start in China. I'll I'll stop there. But in 1936, at 77 years of age, totally blind, the Lord took him home. We're going to meet him one day in heaven. What a wonderful fellow. His wife, Rosalind Goforth, was a tremendous woman of prayer. And she wrote a book, a few copies of which we have here. We've given to Bible college students years ago. Rosalind Rosalind Goforth wrote this book, How I Know God Answers Prayer. If you want an excellent book that will help you to pray, get that book. If If you don't have the money for it, go online. They have it in PDF. You can read it for free on the internet. You don't have to even buy it. Rosalind Goforth, How I Know That God Answers Prayer. It's good for men and women. I've read it myself. It's an excellent book and I highly recommend it. One day... Beloved, you and I will come to the end of our journey. Isn't that correct? We will come to the last day on earth. Be it the kindly hand of death or maybe the coming of Jesus or something. We're we're leaving this planet. We're not going to be here forever. One day we'll come to the end of our journey. What will life have meant for you? Like a parent who got too busy trying to make money and fix up a house rather than investing time in the children and maybe the children went astray will you have regrets will you have too many regrets beloved this is something we must not overlook missions is the heartbeat of god and you and i must yield ourselves to god and say lord what do you want me to do in just a moment we're going to have our invitation I'm going to invite you to come and to pray at the front and get on your knees the best you can and say, Lord, here I am. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to be involved in missions? And start your praying today and be serious. And God will show you what to do. And in one week's time, you'll be ready. You'll be ready with the rest of us and you'll be able to put in a card and we'll see God do great things. But it begins today. Let's stand to our feet now.